Colossians chapter chapter one this evening, and uh, if you're still still watching us online, thank you for joining. We got Jody Young watching us on the way to her church in New Hampshire, and that's great to hear that you guys are having services again there. What a blessing! Oh, some have asked me about Solid Rock Baptist Church in Berlin, New Jersey. If you were up at the Bible conference uh, a couple weeks ago, you heard about Pastor Charlie Clark having um, he's had a court date set this Monday, and he's had. Uh, charges against the church, uh, fees for meeting, and they threatened to put him in jail, the senior pastor. They had a court date set for Monday, and they have moved it to the end of the month. We don't know what that means. Uh, for their church, it meant they could not have their annual summer summit that they usually have, and they felt like it was not wise to try to do that. But pray for it, their, their, uh, their church. You know, remember when you were a kid and, and you... Everybody was going to jump in a pool or jump in a river. And you never be, wanted to be the first one to do it. You wanted someone else to do it. So you could see if they died or got hurt. Are you with me? I feel like that's the way it is for churches right now. Brother Charlie and his dad, who used to work with Brother Lester Roloff, so he knows a little bit about dealing with these kind of issues. Uh, he just, he went in. And believe me, folks, uh, the stipulations in other states are much stricter than what we have right now. My brother-in-law and sister in Washington, D.C., we saw them at the Bible conference. Now, to be honest, they had a little bit of shell shock. They've been walking around the culture, and it's much more you know, concerned there, and they haven't been able to meet in the church services. And let's remember our brothers and sisters in Christ around the country, around the world, but around our country right now because... Brother Clark is one of those men that's jumping in and trying to help defend our right to meet. So pray for them. Pray for them if you would. I thank the Lord for Brother Lester Roloff years ago that made a stand for righteousness, made a stand for separation of the state getting out of the church. Amen. And so Brother Clark Sr. worked for him for a while, and I thank the Lord for that grit that uh, that older generation has to stand for what's right. So please pray with them. I don't know when the date is set. I just saw online Brother Charlie Jr. said it's been moved back. So pray for that church. Colossians chapter 1 this evening. I'm going to give you a lesson entitled, Someone is Watching Out for You. All right? Colossians chapter 1. And if you would look look with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. By the way, that's the the title for Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. They all mean something, and that is his title, full title. Thank God for it. First, middle, last, you could say almost. All right, the Bible says here, he said, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God and truth, as also excuse me, as ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. 
For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, did, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be fulfilled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being f- fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with, his, with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of saints in light. I'm going to stop reading there and we'll speak on this subject. Someone is watching out for you. Father, thank you for your word tonight. It is the word of the Lord. It has power to it. God, thank you for the change it's made in my life and thank you for the change I see in brothers and sisters in Christ. God, it it encourages my heart to see that it still works today. This is not a dead religion. This is not something that uh, we are just remembering traditions from centuries ago. This is a living book with a living Christ and a risen Lord. And it's a powerful, powerful word that you've given us. Thank you this evening for your people that are here, those that are watching online. I pray, Lord, for your Christians, God, who are maybe just discouraged and and are down. Uh, Maybe, Lord, through all of this experience, God, they just feel ah, kind of some sludge, so to speak. Not really up and running, Lord. I pray you'd give them grace from your word tonight. I pray for those that are uh, battling this disease, Lord, that you would help and that you'd please uh, help us to turn to you and that you'd please heal our land from uh, this sickness, Lord. More importantly, Lord, the sickness of denying you and not needing you. May you heal our land of that and bring us back to you. Thank you for those that are here tonight. Bless us if you look in these few thoughts. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. All right. I'm not, I have a whole series on the book of Colossians, but I just want to give you uh, a snippet here at the beginning, kind of tell you a little bit about what this book is. It's a, it's, a, it's a mouthful, so to speak. There's a lot of high language in this book, and the reason is Paul is defending the faith against about four different philosophies. You can study those philosophies out, and they still, by the way, nothing is new at all. It's nothing new under the sun. Four philosophies that you find in here. That was the um, Ebonites, basically how you say it, that they, they believed that Jesus was just the lowly Nazarene that taught the Sermon on the Mount. So basically, he's just a good teacher. That philosophy was prevalent in Colossae. <clears throat> uh, they also had the Essenes, who believed really the works of self-denial and self-mutilation brought them closer to God. You still have that in religions today, all around the world. Philippines, every year. They crucify themselves, or someone crucifies themselves, walks down the street like Jesus, supposed to uh, atone for sin. Those, that kind of mentality is still around. The Judaizers, they had a whole system of religious fundamentals of staying with the Judas, uh, uh, Jewish faith, and those religions, the standards of the law, so to speak. And then, of course, you had the philosophers from Alexandria, that dominated that school of higher learning. So those four philosophies Paul really hammered. And by the way, that school of Alexandria is where we get the corrupt manuscripts from. And that basically there's knowledge out there that you don't know. Um, You ever wonder why they're called the lost books? I'll just throw that out there for you. Maybe they weren't supposed to be found. But uh, that's the kind of thinking behind the school of Alexandria, the, the you know, there's better and higher things out there that you just don't know. And you need to come to us so that you can learn those things. Paul was dealing with that all the way back here, which is amazing to me. The devil just, you think he'd just give up after a while. 
And, you know, we, we battled back that false doctrine. No. <laughs> it comes back again. That's a blessing. He gave us a manual that works in any time, in any day. So that's what he's doing. Now, the book here is written because a man that's mentioned in verse number 7, Epaphras, came to Paul and warned him about those philosophies. He came to Paul and told him about what's going on. We believe that Epaphras was probably the pastor of that church. The Bible calls him here our dear fellow servant and a faithful minister of Christ in verse 7. It says in verse 8 that he declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So he comes to Paul and tells him about the Christian faith of the Colossians and that they're doing well, but there's some people trying to get in there and sow false doctrine. So Epaphras was a, a Colossian by nationality. And it's possible that maybe Paul led him to the Lord when Paul was in Ephesus. We don't know that for certain, but that's an, a supposition we could make. Paul never went to Colossae, but his heart was stirred after he got this message from Epaphras about the church. And uh, that doctrinal danger, Paul was always, he was on top of that. Infant churches, he was, he was careful. He's like those mothers that have that first baby. And they're worried about every germ in the county, right? And every bump and every bruise. When you have three children, you don't even think about it. But that, for that first child, you're concerned. And Paul knew, as we talked about a while ago in First Thessalonians, uh, that infant church, he realized their care and the way they grew in those first few years was very important. And if, again, you, the devil can pull a little plant out of the ground very easily. But when it becomes a good, strong tree and then has an orchard, that's a lot harder to do. And so Paul was, was, was over that, that uh, careful, that little, little infant plant, so to speak, of the Colossian church and the Thessalonian church to make sure that it wasn't rooted out. And by the way, it's, the, the imagery is still there. The devil sows that wheat, that, those weeds, right, those tares, so that it, you don't even know who's who. And, of course, we understand that, that theology of what he's trying to say. But the church may not have actually known what was going on. But one, one thing they didn't realize, I don't think, is that they had a faithful and caring pastor. We, we, we don't really realize what it was like to travel back then. We're quite removed from that now. Uh, even with masks and a plane, it's, it's nothing compared to what they used to do to go anywhere. Long distance was see ya, may never see ya again. And so for Epaphras to find Paul and come and tell him about the church showed an incredible amount of love and commitment to them. And also showed how bad that false doctrine had been sowed, how, how, how much roots had gone down. So he came and told them all about this. And I want you to see, first of all, Paul praises them in this first few verses. And he says, he gives praise of the report of their faith. You notice in verse 4, he says he's praying for them ever since he heard about them. Can I ask you a question? Are there any people that you've led to the Lord or that are new converts that you remember that you still mention in prayer? I was thinking about our French brother. Do you remember him that got saved on that Sunday night? His picture came up the other day in a slideshow. And I thought, and it was, we had that sing around the narthex, and we said goodbye to him. It was a, a guy from France that came here to work on the, the vineyards of the farms and uh, the orchards and got saved on a Sunday night. And his name was Emmerich. That's it. 
I think about him often. In fact, he, he messaged me about a year ago and said he still wears the cornerstone, cornerstone hoodie in France. Paul said, as soon as I heard about your salvation, I started to pray for you right away. That's a good thing. You know who cares for you? Cares for you? The person that prays for you. Paul didn't question Epaphras' report concerning the Colossians' faith. He, he believed it. It was so real, Paul didn't even question it. And I'm sure Epaphras said, man, these brothers, these sisters in Christ, I love these people. And, and, you know, I can't stand this false doctrine that's coming in. Paul said, I pray for you. You know, I got a question for all of us tonight, but if we told some of our friends or our relatives or our co-workers that, that we are Christians, would that take them back? Would, it, would they have a hard time understanding that? Did, would that not add up in their mind? Paul said in verse 4 here, Since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love which you have to all saints, it was a real thing. And we thank God, in verse 3, praying always for you. Real Christianity is uh, contagious. <laughs> And it spreads. So he gave him a report of the faith. But I want you to see the fruit in verse 6. He said, which has come unto you. The gospel, the word of truth of the gospel. Verse 5, which has come unto you as it is in all the world. Bringeth forth fruit. That's a huge statement right there. For the hope, in verse 5, he says, we, since we heard of it, we prayed. We thank God for you. What, for the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. You know, I don't know everything that's going on in your life, but I know one thing I can rejoice about. If you're saved, there is a hope laid up for you that you and I can both rejoice in. And it's common. It's what binds us together. No matter what happens, we're saying, I can thank God that one day it's all going to be over. And it's going to be way better. In fact, I have not seen what God has prepared for those. Amen? In heaven. So he said, verse 6, what's going on? The word of truth of the gospel came unto you, and I like this, as it is in all the world. To know the grace of God is to know the gospel, amen? And to know the gospel and in believe it in truth is to bear fruit. And the, these Colossians had fruit born in their lives. And Epaphras could talk about it and Paul could talk about it. And I asked myself, can anybody talk about the effect of the gospel, the word of the truth of the gospel in my life? Is there any fruit there that they could say, wow, there's a difference? I'll never forget one a man in our church that got saved a few years back, and I was having a Bible study right here in the, in the fellowship hall, and we got talking about this man getting saved. And he was talking about the man anonymously, but I knew exactly where he worked. And they started saying, this man, the change in his life was unbelievable, was noticeable. And, and a couple men were talking about it. And I said, that's amazing. He's sitting right next to us. His name is Roy Mason. They're talking about him anonymously. I'm like, you might want to introduce yourself, Brother Roy, because you're a changed man. It was a huge blessing. What a blessing. They're saying, this guy, he had this reputation before he was saved. Now he's totally different. I heard that from several people about Brother Roy. Isn't, that God, isn't God good? I'm not rejoicing what you used to be. I'm rejoicing what you are now. Amen. What a blessing. And Paul says, hey, the effect of the gospel in your life is that it changed you. And it's brought forth fruit as it doth also in you. Thank God. It never stops working. 
reported of that change, that fruit. And they reported their love in verse 4 and verse 8. And the Colossian church was known for their love. You know, some time ago, there was a teenager. His name was Arthur Hinckley. He lifted a 3,000-pound tractor with his bare hands. Not, not Matt Blunk. His name was Arthur Hinckley. And he wasn't a, he wasn't a late weightlifter. He had a friend named Lloyd Batchelder, 18 years old. Lloyd was penned under a tractor in a, a farm outside of Rome, Maine. And he heard his friend Lloyd scream. And Arthur somehow ran out there and picked that 3,000-pound tractor out so that Lloyd could wiggle out. That's incredible. You've heard of these feats before, right? Extra human feats. You know what motivates that? You say it's, 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 uh, it's danger. No, it's love. Love for his friend. Motivated him to do something that he never thought he could do. It's pretty powerful. That's what Epaphras did. That's what Epaphras did. He came a long way, exerted a lot of energy to see his brothers and sisters in Christ changed and, and helped and that Colossian church, that, their love was talked about everywhere. It says in verse, verse 6, again, it bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you since the day we heard of it and knew of the grace of God and truth. It's talked about everywhere. Hmm. Verse 4, you have loved all the saints. All the saints. If there's, a, if there's someone that names the name of Christ, I don't care if I don't agree with all their doctrinal stand, there should be some love for them. Really should be. I'm not saying that we have to, you know, sit down and buddy buddy or we're in the same church. But if you love, Paul said, if Christ is preached in pretense or in truth, I'm going to rejoice. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you find some real Christians out there that are not like you at all, <laughs> and their love is real. And I thank God for them. Thank God for them. Epaphras was watching out for this Colossian church, and later in the book. He talks about the heresies, like we said, that started to sneak in the back doors and through the windows. There seems to be like a, a, a mixture of Greek and Jewish and Oriental religions, like we talked about in this church, a melting pot of higher thought. <laughs> and so that, Paul, again, like I said, Epaphras was motivated to come and at all costs uh, reach out to them. You ever thought about what Cornerstone Baptist Church would be like without Pastor Shepherd? What would the Colossian church been without Epaphras? Without Paul? You know, I thank the Lord for anybody that will stand for anything anymore. The wishy-washy Christianity is talked about in Revelation 3. Spew you out of my mouth. I think if you're Christ-like, you get sick to your stomach. On Christianity. He says, I can't stand the, the, that spirit, the latency in spirit, that lukewarmness. Be hot or be cold, but don't be lukewarm. I thank the Lord for a pastor that makes us stand. I thank the Lord for any preacher anymore that says, I don't care if it offends you, thus saith the Lord. Period. That's hard to find. And I thank the Lord that someone like Pastor Shepherd, like someone like Epaphras, that risked their life 
to bring the message of they needed help. Charles Spurgeon, he uh, preached to thousands of people in London on each Lord's Day. Study his life. It's pretty amazing. You know how he started out his ministry? He started out by passing out tracts and teaching a Sunday school class as a teenager. And God blessed his ministry of the word. He was invited to preach in obscure places all over the country, the English countryside. And he used every opportunity to honor the Lord. And, and did so. He said this, I am perfectly sure that if I had not been willing to preach to those small gatherings of people in obscure country places, I should have never had the privilege of preaching to thousands of men and women in large buildings all over the land. He said, remember our Lord's rule, whosoever exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. He said in verse 7, this, this learn, I've learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is for you, a faithful minister of Christ. That's a great phrase. Who for you is a faithful minister of Christ. If you're a faithful minister of people, you'll lose your motivation and your, your heart. If you're, never, if you're always with Christ and never with the people, you'll lose your touch with people. Paul says, I'm a faithful, Epaphras, he's a faithful minister of Christ. He, he, he saw himself as ministering to Christ when he ministered to people. That's a great thing to remember. And think about those that have been faithful to you. We could spend time tonight and talk about the people that have been faithful in your life and have made a difference in your life. And uh, can I just say this to you real quick, church? Tell them. Sometimes we wait too long, right? It's called putting flowers on someone's grave. And, and you wait too long to tell them. Tell them now. As Brother, Dave, uh, Brother uh, Gibbs said, David Gibbs said one time, never resist the generous impulse. If the Lord tells you to say something to someone, a Sunday school teacher, a junior church worker, summer Sunday Bible camp worker, and they're a blessing to you, just say it. Don't forget that. It really helps. It's a blessing. Now, look at this prayer. We talked about his praise, and this lastly, I'll give you this, and that is his prayer in verse 9. He says, For this cause, all these things put together, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul didn't just mention names. He prayed specific requests. You know, God bless all the missionaries in Africa. That's a lot of people. God bless all the people in, in North America, you know. He was specific about it. And you can read that in, the, in Romans chapter 16. He goes right through all the list of all the Roman Christians that he's praying for. But he has a specific prayer request for the Colossian church. He says, number one, I'm praying these for you. Number one, that you would know God's will. That you would have knowledge of what God wants you to do. He said that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, I don't believe Paul is talking about, you know, whether you should buy this house or marry this person or buy these clothes or that kind of thing. I think Paul's talking about what he says, spiritual understanding. Do you know the word of God can tell you what God's will is? It is God's will for you to grow in spiritual knowledge. It is God's will for you to cultivate that knowledge into where you could give something to someone else. You don't have to pray about it. But he says, he's praying that they'll be 
filled with the knowledge of it. Filled with the knowledge of it. Do you remember when you were a kid and mom and dad told you to do something? And then they left. And you got distracted. Clean the room, do whatever, wash the car. And you got distracted. You know what happened? Something else came in your mind and filled you up with its concerns. And so lots of times we, you know, we, we hear that car pull up. We hear that engine turn off. And oh no, we got to get things done. And it's because we're not filled to the brim with the knowledge of that importance. We're not cognizant of the importance of what our parents told us to do. Until, oh no, here he comes. Do you know God's will is all throughout this word? It's not a hidden thing. People, people say, I want, I want to know what God wants me to do. It's really not that hard. It's just hard to do. And I'll say this, it's hard to keep in your mind. Because there's so many things that try to take, you, take it out of your mind. Paul says, I'm praying that you're filled up with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know what that means? You and I need to be close to God to be able to discern evil and good, to make good choices, right decisions. We have to be filled with God's word. The opposite is true, folks. When God's word is pushed to the side, we can tend to follow our own wisdom and our own understanding. So Paul prays. Here's a good prayer request. If you're a disciple... And you're discipling someone else. Pray that they'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will. You know what that means? All along the line, when you're, when you're discipling someone, all along the way, there's new information from God's word that you're giving them. But they have new questions. And more questions. And sometimes as a discipler, you're thinking, I think maybe you should go talk to pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. Right? And you get... Oh, no, what's the, what's the deal? I, I noticed Brother Joe, I'm pick on Brother Joe because he's, he, he's right here. But uh, when we first started, Brother Joe didn't know the books of the Bible. That's awesome. And we went through that. Now, now he's a pro, man. He knows where Hesitations is. He knows where Zemplifia is. He can find them all. And sometimes he turns to those books in the Bible. Uh, but we... When, but, but, you know, there was a lot of questions he had at the beginning, and I told him, you know what, hold on to that question. You know what happened? Over time, as he is filled with the knowledge, really honestly, of the basic doctrines, a lot of those questions just get answered. And he's filled up with God's will because he's filled up with God's word. And your spiritual understanding grows as your time in the word of God, and let me add one more caveat, your obedience to the word of God. It's one thing to stuff your head full of knowledge and the next basic doctrine. It's another thing to actually live it and believe it and obey it and ask God to keep continuing to give you more. He says here, Paul says, I'm praying that you have the knowledge of God's will. Secondly, he prays that they have a holy walk to know it. Verse 10, he said that you might walk worthy of the Lord. You might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you and I have a walk that is unto all pleasing? God would smile. Isn't that interesting? These people are saved, and Paul's still pray, praying that they would, their life would please God. You say, well, positionally, my life pleases God. Yes, yes. But sometimes, even though my son will never lose his status as my son, 
We're not on speaking terms. And his walk doesn't please me. I know I've done that for my father in heaven. My walk does not always please him. Paul prays for the Colossians that your walk... You know why he's saying this? Because he's getting ready to ream them out about false doctrine. <laughs> That's the truth. He's getting ready to tell them where you've allowed things to be infiltrated into the church. And your danger, warning, warning. Your pastor just came and told me all the things that are going on. But I'm praying this for you. I'm praying that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will. And I'm praying that you'll walk in a pleasing way with your God. So do you and I walk worthy of the Lord's name? Meaning, whatever we're doing, could we put the Lord's name on it? You won't walk a holy walk if you do not know a holy God. And I will say this. I do not believe that God is becoming more and more lax in Christianity. People say, well, we're not under the law. No, we're under grace. And that requires even more. Because you know. Because you have the power inside of you, unlike the Old Testament saint. You have the Holy Spirit abiding in you. He will teach you all things. He guides you into all truth. He can tell you, no, that doesn't please me. You actually have more to look and watch for as a New Testament Christian. Christianity is not about just bathing in my freedom. It's about knowing a holy God. It's about the privilege of knowing a holy God. No veil. And the closer you get to him, the more you realize you are not, you don't belong there. <laughs> this is, yeah, I'm, made, I'm made perfect to be able to be there. But man, he is so high. I don't deserve to be in his presence. Paul said, I'm praying that you are filled with the knowledge of his will and that you walk worthy of that. Christian, do you walk worthy of the Lord? Uh, God could say, that's one of my boys. That's one of my girls. They please me. And that's, a, again, it said increasing in the knowledge of God. You notice that? Your holy walk it can be, is attached to your knowledge of God. Do you know why it's so hard to live a holy life right now? Because there's so many things removing the knowledge of God. We have way too many things in our life that takes over the knowledge of God. We're like, well, I know that. I mentally know. No, I'm talking about knowing God. The, the, Paul said that may know him. When you get closer to him, you want to live more like him. Then he talks about knowing the glorious power in verse 11. And he says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Boy, that's hard to live in COVID. All might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, I want it over now. Amen, Americans? I want it done now, and I'd like to be the one to fix it. And I do believe my opinion is the most important when it comes to COVID-19. <laughs> We're all kind of cut out of the same cloth. But Paul doesn't pray for that kind of thing. He says, God can straight. Have you ever had a hard time with patience? You ever struggle being patient? How about long-suffering? Well, my spouse, they always do this. That's hard. You know what the Lord does in marriage? He gives you a mirror of you 
And then he says, do you want to be this way all the time? Or do you want me to do something about it? If you and I are naturally, just naturally do what we want to do, we will mess it up. But when we finally come to the end of that, I, man, I'm trying to learn this stuff. My wife's helping me. I'm trying to learn this. To be long-suffering. How many are picky people in here? Raise your hand. You're picky people. You're in church. You want things done a certain way, right? Paul says, listen, I'm praying that you're strengthened with all might. All might. According to his glorious power. Not my ability. I don't have the ability sometimes to control myself. Are you, are you with me? But he says, God can, unto all patience and long suffering, with joyfulness. Do you ever teach your kids to do it with a smile? And it's fake? I said, Ren, pick all these crayons up and smile about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Holy Spirit of God can give you joy in obey, obeying him. It's where you love it. And you're patient and long suffering. Then he said here to number three, that is to know how to give thanks. In verse 12, this is his prayer. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and light. You know, Paul prayed for the Colossians even though they didn't know him. He had never met them. But he knew something about them. That their common salvation, he prayed and told them how to thank God for their salvation. Thank the Lord. He's in jail, by the way. And he's telling other people how to have a good attitude. (laughs) Oh, man. He did that in Philippians, too. I love this phrase. He hath made us meet. Mm. Verse 12. Which hath made the Father, hath made us meet. That means we're fit, we're suitable, we're proper. Check this out. Qualified. We've been made meet. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Where would you and I be if God had not made us meet for salvation? You know what we would be? We'd be fit for destruction. We would be meat for hell. We would be suitable for damnation. And we would be qualified to live forever without God. If it hadn't been for the salvation, and Paul says, giving thanks unto God, which made us meet. You ever just sit down and say, Lord, I don't know how in the world you did this, but I thank you that you made me worthy to talk to you. I don't know how you did it. I believe it by faith. But to be able to come in your presence and talk to you is the most glorious thing in the world. And you and I realize that. When we spend time with the Lord, there is nothing in the world that compares to it. And yet you and I sometimes struggle to find time to do that. To dedicate that time. But when we get there, it's amazing. It's incredible. And sometimes it just takes a while of talking to God just to let all that stuff fade away. And then you're with him. My dad used to say, pray until you pray. Pray until you really pray. Men's all night prayer meeting. We know what we're talking about there. It takes a little bit, that callousness, that I'm okay. That, Lord, I told you, you know, everything I need to tell you. Lord, bless the day. Don't let the dog die and keep the car running and all the things that we, I'm being facetious, but all the things that we kind of throw out to him. It takes a while to kind of get past that. Paul says, hey, how about you thank your father that he made you worthy? 
You and I are so unworthy to know God. Study the Colossians, okay? These are some pretty wicked people. Look at the Galatians. What Paul said to the Philippians. I've been, we've been to Philippi. These people had no cognizance of God except rocks and sky. And they worshipped everything. Some, some statue they set up. God made them sons through the gospel, through the word. Wow. The meat that we are is amazing in Jesus Christ. What a blessing. Where would we be if God had not made us meat for salvation? It's gratitude that prompts an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida every Friday night until his death in 1973. Every Friday night, he would return to that seacoast and he'd walk slowly and he'd slightly stoop over with a large bucket of shrimp. And the seagulls would flock to him and he would take that shrimp, those shrimp out, and feed them. Many years before, in October 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General MacArthur in New Guinea. An unexpected detour would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Maybe you've read of it, heard of it. But somewhere over the South Pacific in the Flying Fortress, became lost and he couldn't reach anybody over the radio. The fuel ran dangerously low, so the men in his plane, in that B-17, ditched that. That's a big plane. They ditched that plane over the ocean. And for nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companion would fight the water and the weather and the scorching sun. And they spent sleepless, many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their raft, a nine-foot raft. The largest they had was a, was a nine-foot by five-foot raft. The largest, largest and biggest shark they saw was a 10-foot shark. But all of their enemies at sea were nothing compared to the most formidable, or excuse me, formidable enemy, and that was starvation. For eight days, their ra- excuse me, eight days out from in the ocean, their rations were long gone and had been destroyed by salt water. And it would take any, any miracle they could get to sustain these men. They were in complete survival mode out in the middle of the ocean. They were looking for a miracle, and a miracle occurred. Cherry, he was the B-17 pilot. They called him Cherry. He read for a service that morning, and they worshiped the Lord, spent time and prayed for deliverance, and sang a hymn of praise. Captain William Cherry read that service, and we finished up. There was some small talk, but it tapered off after the oppressive heat. And he said, I pulled my eyes. Captain Eddie said, I pulled my, my cap down over my eyes. Try to keep the sun from glaring in my face. And he said, I dozed off. Something landed on my head. He said, I knew immediately it was a seagull, but I did not know how I knew that. I just knew it. And everyone else knew it too. 
No one said a word. But peering out from under my hat brim, without moving my head, he said, I, I looked at my fellow mates on that raft, and I could see all their expressions. They're staring at me. Food is what they're saying, if I could catch it. Well, the rest, they say, you know, is history. He caught that seagull. They ate the flesh. They used the intestines to catch a fish. And the survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed from that one lone seagull that landed on his head. They used that and they'd catch more fish with the intestines. And they survived out there hundreds of miles from land. That seagull offered itself as a sacrifice. (laughs) Hmm. You know, he never forgot it. And that's why every Friday night in Florida, on the seacoast, you'd find Eddie out there with a bucket of shrimp, gathering more seagulls around him. White-haired, bushy-eyed, and slightly bent. He remembered that one a long time ago that gave itself without a struggle, like manna in the wilderness. Paul says, never forget the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made to provide life for you. Someone is watching out for you. (laughs) And the Lord never loses sight of his kids. Paul talks about Epaphras here that went to great lengths. Kind of a type of Christ to risk his own neck to see that these people made it and they survived in their Christian life. Don't forget those that have done that for you. Thank the Lord for them. Most importantly, thank God for the salvation that he's given you in Christ Jesus. And never, don't, don't let a day pass that you don't thank him for the great salvation. So great a salvation. You know, you and I haven't done one thing since we've been saved to earn it. We will never do one thing tomorrow or any day after that allows us to earn our way to deserve that salvation. So don't forget to thank the great gift God gave his son. Hope it's a blessing to you tonight that God uses people. Someone is watching out. God never forgot these Colossians. And I thank God for the people that he brings in our life that warn us. By the way, if someone is in your life and they have warned you, don't shoot the messenger. Heed the message. I remember when I was a teenager, I had a youth pastor. Didn't say much to me. But he just said, Matt, are you all right? How dare you ask me that? What do you mean am I right? I wasn't. I thank God for those little comments, those little passing. Don't don't let that pass by. That's God's warning to you. God used Epaphras saying, warning, there's a lot of doctrine trying to come into this church. A lot of false doctrine. Someone was watching out for him. Don't take that for granted. And if, if anything, thank God for the pastor he's given you here that watches for your souls as they must give an account. Amen? And uh, obey them. The Bible says that have the rule over you. God uh, has blessed, always blessed me just by staying under authority.